welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Bosho. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I want to talk about trusting God after your worst day. And for some of you, your worst day is your boyfriend left you this week or your girlfriend, okay? And I get it. I can't say I ever had a dear Johnny, but as a officer in the army, I read many dear Johnnies. Uh, a dear Johnny is a letter the girl writes when you're on the border and she puts perfume on it and you think it's a love letter, but it's a letter that says, Dear Johnny, <laughs> I'm moving on without you. So uh, maybe you're there tonight. I don't know what you've been through. On a more serious note, South Africa, we are the highest rape capital in the world. We have the highest gender-based violence and we have just taken number one spot on the murder list per capita. Not something we are proud of. And many people sitting here tonight and the tens of thousands in our churches across the country and the many hundreds of thousands watching by way of television. I know some of you have gone through difficult times and you've had a real bad day. And something sometimes happens that you never expected. When you deal with ladies later on in life, especially those that were molested, abused as children, somehow they feel responsible. And oftentimes they hide it so deep that they carry it for the rest of their lives and it impacts every area of their lives. Now I wanna tell you tonight that God loves you and Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to set you free and Jesus wants to turn your bad day into a good day. He wants to turn your weeping into joy. Say amen tonight because no matter how bad your past has been, God has a great future for you in this place tonight. So I want to read uh, my scripture tonight from the book of Acts chapter 8. What to do after your worst day. In verse 1, the Bible says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial that Stephen the deacon after he is stoned, not like some of you who were stoned last night in the club, he was literally killed with stones, okay, for preaching the gospel and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word in the midst of persecution. Then Philip, who had just lost his best friend, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Can I start to say tonight, as I did this morning, that your weeping is over, your days of trouble and sorrow is over, that you have to rejoice that there is a new season 
about to break over South Africa. Come on, a season of joy. No matter how bad your tribulation had been, you better get ready for God to put off your sackcloth. You better get ready for God to give you beautiful ashes. I'll prophesy it until you believe it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen in the name of Jesus. So needless to say, this was a bad day for the early church disciples. Think about it before Stephen's death. The church was in a very happy place like we all were before COVID. Maybe your business, your life, your emotions, your relationships, I don't know. And suddenly all hell literally breaks loose against the church. They had just come through an amazing season of blessing, the early disciples. The day of Pentecost, the fire of God falls upon them. 3,000 people get saved in one day. God adds to the church daily. God blesses them. They have favour, not only with God, but with man. Days are good. Life is great. Then suddenly, a bad day happens. Unplanned, unexplained. That could have left these early church disciples very bitter. Disillusion. Wondering, God, where are you? Yesterday, your fire fell from the heavens. Yesterday, we saw your power and your miracles. And today, we are sitting in a place of trauma, in a place where we are perplexed, puzzled, bewildered. Like many of my friends, colleagues in the ministry in KwaZulu Natal, after the fires, and we thank God there will be no rioting and looting in South Africa tomorrow. Can you say amen? Come on, intercessors. And then there were the floods in KwaZulu Natal, and many churches lost absolutely everything. That was after COVID. They had a bad day. God's helped many of them to recover. Many of them are still in the process of recovery. So after having the greatest season in their lives, suddenly this, adversity, opposition, persecution, the murder of Stephen, one of the key figures in the church. People are left perplexed, bewildered, puzzled. What is happening? Suddenly they are faced with a bitter season. Their sweet is turned into bitter. Well, we know God wants to turn our bitter into sweet, but sometimes the sweet becomes bitter, but should never leave you bitter. You have to allow God to come and turn your bitter into sweet. So there's a flash of violence against the church. Without warning, the unbelievable becomes a reality. Stephen is arrested. Stephen is tried. And Stephen is stoned for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, he did nothing wrong. All he did was love God and stand for God. I'll tell you this tonight, that what you are going through, if you are going through anything, you are not the cause of it. And neither is God. Sometimes life just happens. Bad things happen. The unexplained happens. Sometimes life has a way to throw a curveball in your direction that literally wants to take the wind out of your sails, even as a young person. I mean, 16 years old, I tried to commit suicide, not because a girl left me, but because I was hopeless. Too much drinking, smoking, snorting. Because sin will never take you where you want to go. Sin will always promise to please you, only to enslave you and to take you to a worse place than you are today. So the enemies of the church 
literally took off their gloves. And after the stoning of Stephen, they saw that it pleased the people. And now all hell broke loose against the early church disciples. Everything went wrong. Every believer became a target. Think about it. Women, men, children, persecuted, imprisoned. Not the Kumbaya Christianity we like to think about, but a church in persecution, a church literally facing adversity that they never imagined. Well, tonight you may not be facing that kind of adversity, but maybe tonight you are going through a bad day. Maybe tonight you have experienced the worst day in your life. So the early church could have written a book, The Worst Day in Their Life, title of a book, this would be it. If Philip could write a book, this would be it. The worst day in my life. The day I lost my best friend for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But thank God, they never allowed that day to define them. They never allowed that day to leave them disillusioned, traumatized and disappointed. They became more determined, even though they were persecuted, even though they ran for their lives, they ran with a God. They ran knowing God was with them, knowing that God would vindicate them and that God would bring deliverance again and that God would turn their bitter into sweet again. Can you say amen in Jesus' name? So they never allowed their worst day to define them, to destroy them. They kept on trusting God. You know, as a pastor for many years, 37 years to be exact, one of the most difficult things is when you see people go through these difficult times. I said this in Johannesburg, I've had many pastors, maybe hundreds of pastors in my ministry, and um, many of them have struggled with severe depression, not because of their own lives, but because of the trauma they face, having to deal with a crisis of other people all the time. Marriage crisis, financial crisis, um, sickness in the family, loss of a loved one, and they just always have to somehow stay optimistic and positive. One of the most difficult things is when it feels like you as a pastor are helpless, that you see somebody go through that bad day, that difficult day, and all you can say is, I don't know what to say, but I'm there for you. I feel for you. I weep with you. See, my brother and my sister, we don't know all things. And I'm not cynical or negative because there's victory at the end of the story. But sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes things happen for no rhyme or reason. Not the devil, not yourself, not your enemies. Sometimes it's called life. And then we have to remind ourselves that God is always there in the darkest valley in the deepest prison, in the most impossible situation, in the fiery furnace, God is there as a young person tonight. I know statistics say that 66% of young people after COVID are struggling with thoughts of depression. The second biggest cause of death among young people, suicide. So I'm not talking to the person tonight that have lived for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. I'm talking to the 16 year old, the 18 year old, the young person sitting here tonight, there in Cape Town, in Stellenbosch, wherever you are, thinking that this is just too much to bear. I'll tell you, your worst day is exactly that. It is your worst day. 
Don't allow a bad day to make you believe you are having a bad life. Don't allow the storms that you are going through to tell you that you have no future, no hope. Because God says, I hold your future in the palm of my hand. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, young person, to give you a future and a hope. I know some of you when you wake up in a squatter camp, some of you when you wake up and you don't know what the future holds. You're in good company. The Apostle Paul himself was there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, There are times I don't know what to do, but I thank God, God knows what to do. And I want to tell every person in this place tonight, you are not alone. God, God's got you. He has your back. He holds your future in the palm of your hand. And He will cause great joy to come back into your life. In Jesus' name, if you believe it tonight, jump to your feet and give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. So these people were amazing. They never allowed that day to define them. They kept on trusting God. Think about it, he lost his best friend. I don't mean to talk about my brother all the time, but that was a bad day for me. I had a few bad days, but that was as bad as it gets. We lived together for 51 years like this. Spoke on the telephone three times a day. He was my counselor, I was his counselor. And suddenly, like that, he was gone. That was a bad day. One of the worst days in my life. Yes, I understand. He's in glory as Stephen was in glory. Philip knew it. Stephen's face became like an angel. The heavens opened. Jesus stood and received him. Has Jesus received my brother? But still, the loneliness, the feeling of being abandoned, your parents left you, your father walked out on you, your mother left you, you grew up an orphan, and you still carry all that pain of yesterday. You need to allow God to heal your brokenness. And you need to allow God to bring a season of joy back into your life in Jesus' Name. So in spite of what they went through, they stayed faithful to the cause of Christ. They never doubted the faithfulness of God. I mean, what do you say to people when they lose a child? It's easy to stand up and be religious and say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know that's a misrepresentation of God. What do you say? What do you say when somebody dies suddenly? When somebody loses their business, and I don't care what other people say, that you'll never have a day of trouble. That's what Jesus said. You're going to have a lot of trouble. But you're not going to turn to alcohol. You're not going to turn to cocaine. You're not going to turn to some bad habit. You are going to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your life is not going to fall apart like those people in Hollywood because you are not part of Hollywood. You are part of the Holy Word. You are part of God's people in Jesus' Name. So there's a place you can run when you are going through a bad season in your life. So they allowed God to turn their bitter into sweet. Acts 8, 8 is the key verse. The Bible says, there was great joy in the city. From mourning, from lamenting. Stephen is gone. I lost my job. I, country and western song, that's why I don't listen to it. I lost my horse. I lost my dog. I lost, I lost, I lost. Hey, God will help you recover your losses. God will bring restoration back in your life if you will turn back to God and you stay focused in the purpose that God has for you, no matter how much there's disappointment. And this is real. Disappointment is part of life and you have to learn to deal with it. 
And when you go through these bad moments, you should not listen to the naysayers, the three friends of Job. That's the time for you to separate yourself and get closer to Jesus. That's the time for you to find your bearings in the presence of God and not allow somebody else to steal your joy, your peace, and somebody else to steal your faith in God. Then you should be like Job when he was knocked to the ground. You, you have to say, I don't understand it, but I choose to worship God. I may be knocked to this ground, but I'm not gonna stay on this ground. I choose to say, Lord, you are faithful. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Come on. I want you to know today, Psalm 30, the Bible says, God will turn your weeping into dancing. For weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. So Isaiah 61, the Bible promises that Jesus will turn your morning into dancing, your sorrow into joy, your bitter into sweet. So I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you are going to live again. You are going to run again. You are going to laugh again. You are going to rejoice again. I'm here to tell you that God is able to turn your bitter into sweet. No matter how bad your life seems right now, things are going to change for you, young person. If you believe it, say amen. You're going to have a job. You will have a future right here in South Africa. You will have a career right here in South Africa. You will fulfill your dream right here in South Africa. If it's to be a doctor, no devil, no hell, no legislation will stop you from the dream that God has for you. You don't give up. You know, when you, when, when you live a, a, a short life, meaning you are 17, 18, what you see as your worst day, when you're 30, you've had another worst day. And when you're 40, you've had another worst day. That's why when you go through a bad day, remember the previous bad day and then remember how God delivered you. Amen. How faithful God was then. Now, when you thought you were not going to be able to pay the bills, you still paid the bills. You are still here. You are still alive and kicking. You are still breathing. It ain't over for you. You still have a future. You still have a hope. Say amen in Jesus' name. So yes, you will live again. You will laugh again. But you have to remember three things. Number one, you have to remember who God is. Number two, you have to remember what God can do. And number three, you have to remember to keep on doing what God called you to do. Therein lies the key. When life has declared an open season on you, just know that it's an unfortunate part of life. I want that to sink in. Because we get ourselves in a place of doubt when we try to find answers. Did I open a door? Is it a generational curse? Is it this? Is it that? Sometimes things just happen. And if you open a door, God's merciful to help you walk through that door and get things right in your life. Amen. If your grandmother messed up, it's okay. That curse has been broken through Christ Jesus 2,000 years ago when God cast that tree, Calvary, in the sea of humanity as He did, as He commanded Moses to cast that tree into the pool of Marah and those waters became sweet again. No matter how bitter the taste in your mouth, that taste is going to change. But remember who God is. That there is nothing in the Bible, nothing in Scripture, nothing in the nature of God that suggests as a child of God, you will not go through trying seasons in your life. We don't want to hear this, but it's true. 
as a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, identity crisis, peer pressure, feeling a failure, starting out in the workplace. I thought the other day, you know, when we get on in life, we, we forget how difficult it is for young people to grow up. <laughs> I know you act grown up when you're 16 and you dress grown up and you walk grown up and you put mascara on grown up. The sisters I'm talking to now, amen. Um, but I thought the other day, we had a little bit of an advantage, my generation. We had to go to the army, military service. So we had a two-year forced season to grow up. Where you learned the buck stops with you. You move or you die. You fire or your brother dies. When it's time to move, you better move because your life and everybody else's life is at stake. So we were forced to grow up and we were forced to learn discipline. That your actions today determine your destiny tomorrow. You learned to conquer the giants. Listen of doubt, low self-esteem, inferiority in your mind. Things that are very real that this young generation is struggling with. We can all say amen, but we cannot put you through a scan and see what's going on in your minds. Sometimes you open your mouth and it becomes clear that you're controlled by a spirit of low self-esteem, by a spirit of inferiority. And those are your worst giants. Not the giants out there, but the giants in your mind. That's why sometimes when you face trials and tribulations, it causes you to self-reflect and do self-evaluation. And either you're gonna grow or you're gonna do what most people do. You're gonna play the, play the blame game. You're gonna play somebody else. Well, I thank God that was taken out of us in the military. After that, go to I went to university. And then when I had my first job, I, re I remember how I struggled just with, because uh, picking up a telephone and making a cold canvas call and selling something. The fear of the telephone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I believe any, everybody has to go through a season of being a salesman or a saleswoman because you learn to deal with rejection. It's amazing, I, when my kids were small, I would say to them, pick up the phone and phone that person and book, make a booking. And they were like, oh, no daddy, oh, no daddy. They fear the telephone. Why do people fear the telephone? You don't fear when you text, but you fear, maybe the person is gonna say no on the other side. Now listen to me very carefully. You have to grow up. And, and, and the trials that you're facing in that, that's what the Bible says, counter of joy, very often exposes your treasure, your treasure. You have to grow bigger than your giants. You have to grow stronger than your battle. You have to grow more determined than your adversity. You have to grow to the place where you say, I cannot fail, God is my source. You have to grow to that place where you say, no matter the giants in the land, I am well able, Joshua. Come on and Caleb, let us rise up at once and conquer the land. I've seen people say the right words, but they don't believe what they say and they stay exactly in the same place. Why do I say you have to remember who God is? Because if you remember who God is, you know who you are meant to be. More than a conqueror. 
an imitator of God. Failure is not part of your vocabulary. When you are knocked down, you get back up again. Nobody is above you. Nobody is better than you. Nobody is close to you. Your faith is what will move mountains in your life in the Name of Jesus. So when these storms come, Peter the Apostle simply says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is about to try, to try you as though something weird is happening. Just different degrees, but everybody goes through a bad day. The Message Bible says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So the storms, the oppositions, the delays, the trials in life will come, but we cannot allow those things to define us. Something your dad said when you were three years old, maybe your father never spent time with you and you are living without confidence in life. Listen, with all the love in me, Get over it in Jesus' Name. You are created in the image of God. We can all sit in a bad place or we can decide I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not defined by that worst day, by that loveless relationship, by what that person did to me. I'm gonna get up in the Name of Jesus Christ and be who God called me to be. Shout Amen in Jesus' Name. So if you live a long life, Things will come your way that will try to crush you and, and, and mostly to your mind. Because that's where the battle begins, in your mind. That's where victory starts, in your mind. What you believe. I've had the privilege to sit with people from our president to most prominent business people, etc., etc. And I've realized one thing, no one is better. People are all the same with different titles. But then I've spoken to people who believe others are better. Well, if you do, you'll act like it and that's how people will see you. You believe it's difficult? It is. You believe it's impossible? It is. You believe you can't? You are right. Because your belief is the ignition switch that gets you off the launching pad. So what is it that you truly believe in the midst of a crisis? Overwhelmed? Not Philip. Not these early church disciples. No matter what life threw their way, they got up while they were weeping, while they were mourning, while they were broken on the inside. They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and they brought joy to the world around them. They were unstoppable. They were world shakers. They were history makers. They were not defined by the worst day in their life and neither should you be my brother and my sister. When life gives you its best shot, that's when you have to get up and be your most determined and go beat Satan where it matters. Go win a soul. Go heal a broken heart. Go do something that matters. Do somebody else for eternity. So the, wor the, the worst day of your life does not impede or change the nature of God. God's nature remains the same. God is love. God is good. What you are going through, God is not behind it. No, God is your deliverer. God is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. 
The Lord is the one who watches over you. The Lord is the one who sustains you. The Lord is the one that will be with you in the midst of the fiery furnace. You get your eyes back on Him. So the worst day of your life is just that. The worst day of your life. Stop talking about it and glorifying it and giving it power over your future. Stop nursing it, rehearsing it and cursing it. You better get over it. You better put it behind you and you better make up your mind. This is who I am. I have a future. I have a hope in the name of Jesus. God is going to turn my bad day into a good day, Faith TV. God is going to turn your sorrow into joy. Your best days are ahead of you. God bless you. Come on our, our, our social media. Give them a hand in Jesus' name. Come on. Oh, come on. I want to bring somebody out of a hole. I want to get somebody out of depression. Somebody out of inferiority. Low self-esteem, doubt, unbelief to a place of believing that no matter what life throws my way, I'm not a quitter. You may knock me down, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to talk about my sad, sorry past. I'm going to talk about the glory of God, the deliverance of God, the victory of God, the future I have through Jesus Christ. Come on, young people. All the hell has been unleashed against you, but you are the generation that will overcome the onslaught of the devil. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, you will not bow to the pressure of this world. You will rise, generation said, you will rise to be the greatest generation in Jesus' name. Say amen. It's a bad season for young people, I feel for you. But what doesn't kill you makes you tougher. So don't go burn tires tomorrow. Don't be stupid. It's not going to change anything. We'll get you arrested. You're listening. Let me catch you burn a tire. I'll arrest you myself. Citizens arrest. I'm not sitting in my house tomorrow. I am, I said to Pastor Andre, we're getting on our motorbikes tomorrow. We're going to go visit every shopping center, ride on every highway. And God help the person that tries to stop us because people are not going to take my freedom. Amen. Now you can clap back to better than that. Going to wake up, going to go to gym, going to get on with my life. you want to protest, then follow your municipal route and protest. When we wanted to protest for the opening of churches, this government never allowed us to protest. So why should I respect this? I don't. I fight for one thing, and that's for Christianity and for the future of the church. That's what I fight for. This foolishness is not even worth the mention. And you should not be intimidated. So protest all you want. Amen. And please, students, open the universities. You've, you, you know, you forget. You've got short memories, all of you. I understand there are financial challenges. But there's a way to deal with this. COVID has taken education from you for two and a half years. What the heck are you thinking? You're not going anywhere without an education. No way. Go protest in the holidays because the holidays are six months a year. 
Don't protest when the classes are open. You've got all the right in the world to go protest on the campus when the university is shut down. Then state your case. Now I know I'm gonna get flack, but listen, I've dealt with young student leaders that were radical and five years later they come to their senses and they regret what they did. Don't rob the education of other people. By all means, hold the government accountable to pay your fees and to keep their promises and, and, and those officials that are stealing from this country, hold them accountable. But don't rob yourself of an education. That's not a very educated decision. My word. Oh, you can clap better the better than that, otherwise I'm leaving. pacify you as a young person yeah, there, there's, there's, there's no boardroom waiting for you there's no easy waiting for you they ever told you that lie to you there's no job just waiting for you who told you that there's no money just waiting for you You have to be the smarter one, the better one. You have to be the more qualified one. You have to outsmart everybody else because if you run with a crowd, you will be like the crowd. The crowd goes nowhere. Huh? Tell you what, if I was an employee in a company and people say, let's employ people, I say, give me the footage of, of what those young people no, I'm not employing this one. I'm not employing this one. I'm not employing this one. Because if they disrupt things over there, they're going to disrupt my business. I'm not interested in having you close to my business. There are platforms that you can be hurt. But, but be smart. Engage with the civil society. Engage with business. There are many businesses and uh, uh, business um, chambers that are willing to assist when young people go on a, 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 a certain path, no adult, you won't like what I have to say, wants to help you. Mm. We're having a funeral now, yeah. Um, if people say to me, that's why I, I rebelled against this COVID because nothing about it made any sense to me because I, my two brain cells I have are still functional. Medically, it didn't make sense, nothing. And I saw what was behind it. That's why I refused to bow to it, refused because I never lost my will when I got saved. I'm not a Mary had a little lamb. Just meh. So when somebody says we're shutting the country down, who the heck do you think you are? To say you're shutting me down, shutting my church down, shutting our businesses down, who do you think you are? The government had that chance once with COVID. Those days are over. It's never happening again. Shout amen, come on. 
I said it's never happening again. It's not happening again. We have to build our future. We have to build our lives. So I suggest some of these politicians pray. Okay, let's move on. Um, I'll skip to point number three. Because this is the most important of all of it. Number one, remember who God is. Remember what God can do. We know He's a mighty deliverer. And then number three, remember that God wants to work through you. And this is critical for you to recover from a bad day. Some of you have been in a bad day emotionally for a very long time. You're not getting the results you want because you defeated yeah. Yeah, you defeated. Whatever has traumatized you, have entered you and have neutralized you. And you've become sterile. That means you're a victim because your attempts are not working. And you need a radical encounter with Jesus and leave your uh, issues behind and stop feeling sorry for yourself. I don't mean it unkindly. I mean, we have young people uh, in the last few weeks, one of our beautiful young girls were raped. My heart breaks. We're going to smash that, that man who did it and make sure the law takes its full course. We won't relent. You rape a girl, we're coming for you. You molest a child, we're coming for you. We're not going to pray for you, we're coming for you. That's it. That's it. But my sister, this season, this bad time, this, 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 uh, this hurtful season, we're going to weep with you. We're going to cry with you. We're going to mourn with you. But there's going to come a day where we are going to look in your eyes and say, girl, come on. Time to get up. Girl, come on. Time to change your garment. Girl, come on. Time to believe that God has a future. Girl, come on. Put the sorrow behind you. Come on, allow God to turn your weeping into joy. Come on, allow God to turn your sorrow into dancing. Allow God to anoint you with fresh oil. Don't be defined by the worst day in your life. And, and, and sometimes a worst day, um, some of my relatives, just a comment of a father. And that gets stuck in that girl's mind for the rest of her life. And she has a poor self-image. Why don't you go to the Word of God and look in the mirror of God's Word what God says about you. I don't know what your earthly father said about you. But I'll tell you what your heavenly father says. You are perfect. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of God's eye. God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for you. You are valuable. You are precious. You're not a nobody. You're not a dropout. You're not a washout. You're not a drug addict no more. You are a somebody. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. Jesus gave His blood for you because He loves you. That is your value. More than the greatest valuable painting on planet Earth. You were painted with the hand of God Himself in your mother's womb. That's who you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Say Amen. You have to look into the mirror and like what you see without becoming a narcissist. You have to like yourself. 
How many of you actually like yourself? No. How many of you are in love with yourself? Ooh, 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 ooh. That's wrong. Uh-uh. You can't be in love with yourself. Then there's not place for anybody else in your life. You can love yourself, but not be in love with yourself. So when you, when you look in the mirror, you should say, good morning, if you're a man, handsome. Even if your wife never tells you you're handsome, you have to look in the mirror as a, as a girl and say, good morning, gorgeous, whatever. You have to, amen, see the potential. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> let me just stop right there before I offend anybody. You know, <laughs> um, should I say it? No, you're just as naughty as me, all of you. You become naughty, all of you. I won't. See your former glory. Amen. So allow God to work through you. Ten minutes, I'll be finished. Maybe this is the most important part of allowing God to turn your bitter into sweet. Acts chapter 8, Philip has just witnessed his best friend murdered. This is a bad day for him personally. Maybe not for everybody else. But for him, it was a personal tragedy. You lose a business, everybody else can say, it's going to be okay. But you have to walk through it. You lose the child, everybody's going to say, it's okay. But you have to walk through it. And walk you must. You can't resign yourself to go sit in a corner and give up on life and give up on God. You have to keep on keeping on. Even when you are weeping on the inside, you should go and put a smile on people outside. Even if you're in a hole yourself, you have to go find somebody else that is in a deeper hole and dig that person out of that hole. And in digging that person out of that hole, you will find yourself getting out of your own hole in the name of Jesus Christ. You have to comfort other people while you are receiving comfort from God yourself. You have to heal other people while you are trusting God for healing yourself. You have to bless other people while you are needing the blessing of God yourself. So Philip did something we must all do if we'll ever see good come out of the worst day of our lives. Philip kept breathing. He kept living. He kept moving. He kept on preaching. He could have resigned himself and said, God, where were you? God, why didn't you protect Stephen? God, why did you allow this to happen? But he never did. With a broken heart, he preached joy to others. He kept his faith in God. He did not turn away from his God. He allowed God to work through him when he was in a broken place in his own life. One of my close friends, I don't want to say his name, rugby player, played 66 tests for South Africa, been with me since I started the church in Bloemfontein many, 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 many years ago, known as the Iron Man in South African rugby. I mean, he was the epitome of physical uh, specimen and fitness. 
One morning he phoned me and he said, Bel mijn Afrikaans, ik zeg maar Engels praat, hij sê, pastoor, pastor, pastor, pastor. I, 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 I stood in the shower this morning and my leg, I just got this lame feeling in my leg. I said, ach man, said his name, I said, it's going to be okay. It's not anything. A few days later on, he phones me again. He says, I'm in a hospital. I can't walk. And there, everything he knew was taken from him in a moment. Unexpected. Training two, three times a day. One of the most famous rugby players we ever had. A little virus that attacked his spine. And I sat with him almost every day. And his friend, another rugby player, was there every day, massaging his feet and everybody prayed. And still today, he exercises after years and years and years and years and years. And I said to him, listen, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Any preacher who says, life is easy. Thank you. Tell the truth. Any preacher who says, bad things don't happen to people, don't know what they say because the Apostle Paul went through this himself. I'm not saying expect bad things to happen, but sometimes they happen. Sometimes things happen that leave us puzzled and perplexed. But the only thing that keeps us sane is to be like Philip in a state of brokenness, in a state of sorrow, to hold on to your purpose, to hold on to your God. And I say to him, listen, Satan has given you his best blow. And, and I have prayed, I'm trusting God for you to walk. But listen, we are not going to allow this to be final. The devil hit us. Now we're going to hit the devil back and we are going to preach the gospel and we are going to help people. Then we're going to put a smile on people's face. And I'll tell you, since that day, in a wheelchair, he has traveled across this country. He has given hope to countless sportsmen, people, and told them to be positive, to believe in God, that God is good, that God is great. He has helped hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people because I'll tell you, He did not allow His worst day to define Him. He held on to His purpose. His wife held on to their purpose. His son now plays for Western Province. His daughter is one of the greatest athletes in this country. And even in that sorrow, in that tragedy, we have seen God do something beautiful. And if you talk to Him today, He will tell you God is good, God is great, life is great. And every day He has to live and face this challenge with a catheter emptying His bladder, not knowing when His stomach is going to go, etc, 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 etc. But those are my heroes, man. Those are the people I look up to. Those are the people that I say, God, that is your grace and that's your mercy. Somebody that should have been negative and cynical, that travels everywhere and inspires other people and say, your dream can become a reality. Your tomorrow will be great. Even though Satan gave him his best shot, and everybody that's everybody, including all the miracle workers, prayed for him and he still sits in a wheelchair. I don't know why. I prayed for a guy once that was shot. 34 years in a wheelchair, God raised him up. I prayed for many others that stayed in their wheelchairs. I prayed for a blind guy once. He was blind 39 years and God opened his eyes. First time he ever saw Bloemfontein. But I've prayed for many other blind people that stayed blind. You say, Pastor, you're not inspiring us to come for prayer. Hey, I'm not the miracle worker. I can just pray the prayer of faith. And if God does a miracle, that's up to God. The rest of the time I have to tell you, hey, I'm there for you. I love you. Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing God. 
God is faithful. God will give you the grace. God will not allow you to go where His grace. Oh, come on in Jesus' name. You don't quit on life. Quit on yourself. Quit on your future because of all the things you have gone through. So the worst thing you can do is go sit in a hole and feel sorry for yourself. So when you wake up in the morning after the worst day in your life, read the Bible. Don't talk to your friends. Shut the door and read your Bible. Don't go phone your family, especially, and say, you know that I've just been diagnosed with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I don't know what these doctors do with their medical terms. They say you have, and then it's this word that makes you sound, it sounds like you're going to die. And then they say, no, it's just a minor cold. Just tell us. You have flu. Amen. Be merciful to us, the ordinary people. So when you get over the shock, because when, 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 when bad things happen, there's a shock. You have to pray. You have to run to God like David did when his son died. He fell and he ran to God like Job did. In one day when he lost everything, he ran to God. You run to God. You go weep your heart out. Listen, you go cry, you weep. You don't fight with God. Please, I ask you with everything in me, don't fight with God. Don't fight with God. God's not your enemy. You're not the little two-year-old girl that throws tantrums any longer. Your father loves you. And, and, and he didn't cause the evil when you were 12 years old and your uncle molested you. He was weeping when that happened. Yes, he was. He was weeping over you. And he died on that cross knowing that you would go through that so that he could heal your brokenness and put you back together again and give you beautiful ashes. But don't become numb and cynical and begin to doubt the love that God has for you. You go into the presence of God and you just get yourself on the ground and you worship Him. And sometimes the greatest worship that you can give are your tears of sorrow and pain when you will go on your face before God and you will worship Him. Not understanding what has happened, but yet saying it, no matter how difficult it is. God, I trust You. I worship You. I love You. And you will see God come and comfort you and put His hand upon your life and lift you up in Jesus' Name. And when you gather your wits, which sometimes takes time, you have to spend time and you have to get up from that ground and you have to lift your hands to the heavens and you have to say, Lord, You are good and Your mercy endures forever. I choose to praise You in my valley. I choose to praise You in my sorrow. I choose to praise You in my affliction. I choose to glorify You. Oh, come on, somebody. You are going through a difficult time. You've had a bad day. It's left a mark on your life. You get up from the ground today. You get up from those tears today and you lift your hands to the heavens and you worship your God today. Come on. You give Him that sacrifice of worship in your most difficult season. You love Him. 
you worship Him, you honour Him, you adore Him. No matter what you are facing, no matter the questions you have, you have to gather your wits and lift your eyes to Jesus and you have to worship Him as your Lord, your God, your Saviour, your Messiah. And when Sunday comes, you have to get yourself in church in the company of the believers to feel your spirit lifted and you have to go to home cell and allow your brothers to bear your burden with you. One on the left, one on the right. You have to allow people to love you and weep with you and bring you back to a place of wholeness and healing so you can believe again. Shout Amen in Jesus' name. Then you have to get back to living your life. The worst day comes, you have a decision to make. You either abandon your faith is useless or you keep your faith is the only thing of value in your life. There's no middle ground. When you make the courageous decision to keep putting one foot in front of the other of turning to God alone for strength, you'll discover a wonderful reality. Listen, I wrote this down. God can use the worst day of your life to take your faith into new areas of strength, to work miracles in the wake of tragedy to bring good out of something that seems to have no good in it at all. When Philip allowed God to walk with him after the worst day of his life, great things happened quickly. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached. I think it's the only way he remained sane. Persecution, people killed, the disciples in prison, James, the Lord's brother in prison, all hell is breaking loose. What is Philip doing? He's staying true to God, to the call of God, and he goes and gives hope to other people while he himself is in need of hope. He responds to the worst day in his life by doing exactly the opposite to what he felt in obedience to God and the call of God upon his life that set him apart from so many others. He goes to Samaria and he preaches the Word of God with a broken spirit. The result? There was great joy in that city. Your brokenness will bring great joy to the lives of other people. Your trial, your tragedy, listen, will bring great joy to the lives of other people because God will be glorified through your life. Say amen. Come on, Angie. I'm preaching to somebody here today. That word great joy means mega joy. So from the worst day to a day with giant overwhelming joy. The best days of your life kind of joy. Introduced to them through Philip when he possibly was in one of the lowest moments of his life, experienced the worst day in his life. That's where he recovered. In that moment, helping others. That, my brother and sister, my young friend, is how you will turn your bitter into sweet. Remember who God is. Remember what God can do. And you remember what God has called you to do. And you keep on no matter what in Jesus' name. Do you receive the word tonight? Give the Lord a praise. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on all over this place. Stand to your feet and give Him a praise. Come on. Come on, you have to praise Him better than that. You're getting off the ground tonight. You have to praise Him better than that. 
You're getting up from the ground tonight. You have to praise Him better than that. Come on. Come on, young person. Nobody knows your story. God knows your story. Nobody knows your tears. God has seen your tears. Nobody knows your scars. God will turn those scars into stars. Come on. That's not just something that rhymes. That's a reality. Because God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And God wants to turn your worst day into something that is significant, that will bring joy not only to your life, but to the life of many, many others. I have seen that um, the greatest artists, you can watch American Idols, uh, America's Got Talent, England, whoever, where they turn the chair around, what, what is that one? The voice. You can see and feel when somebody has been broken. It's almost like you feel that pain in them, but it's pain that's been healed that brings maturity. And in the church, it's no different. Some people are so shallow. It's just name it, claim it, frame it. And it's like no reality to life. Yes, the end of the story is victory. In Revelation, we win. When we knock down, we get up. God promises us triumph and victory in all things. But it's easy to say, I'll pray for you. But then that brother has to walk through that valley. He, she has to walk through the valley. But I want to say to you, not walking through it alone, that the health challenge that you have faced for years and years and years, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for the Lord is with you. He's rod and His staff, they comfort you. God is there. Are you listening? God is there, young person. You don't give up on God. You don't turn away from Jesus Christ to some other self-proclaimed Messiah that says He's here to liberate you. Jesus liberated you 2,000 years ago. It is done. It is done. You get your eyes back on Jesus. You can leave your doubt behind. You leave your pain behind and you allow Jesus to come tonight and to do something beautiful in your life. I, I talk to people and um, even some of our pastors and then they'll always go back to a place. A betrayal, a church member, especially in smaller churches. I mean, I've been betrayed so many times. Listen, it's, it's not even funny. It's not a nice thing when you start out because you believe everybody's just... They love you and then people just betray you. It's just part of it, especially in small congregations. It's hurtful. Like when you get betrayed, it's hurtful for us as pastors as well. When people just say what they want to say, do what they want to do, leave a dagger in your back, with you, my brother, and then they are the very ones that try and sink you, etc. Until you almost get calluses, which is not a good thing either. I realize when you say, you over there, me over here. Thank you. That's not how God wants it. Our hearts need to remain soft, I've had many colleagues quit the ministry because of that, because they become cynical, because they get up there, they give their best, and people, the fallout rate in the ministry is the highest fallout rate in any profession, any in the world, where pastors just bail out. They had enough. Now listen, I've done it 37 years, I'm not bailing out, okay? But um, okay, I don't need a cheer, I'm just telling you fact, okay? I've weathered many storms and attacks and lies and, 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 and everything. It hurts when it comes from close and when people really tries to plan and plot and scheme your demise. But I've always seen God is bigger and God is stronger and God is your defense because if God's hand is on you, no matter what people plot or scheme, their plans will not come to pass. It's not the issue. 
but you, what you are facing, what you're going through. You need to learn to get yourself into the presence of Jesus. And sometimes, you know, it's like, I'm not saying I'm a seasoned veteran, but sometimes what other people classify as pressure, you look at it and you think, gee, but I get it. It's all relative. For that 16-year-old, when his girlfriend leaves him, it's the end of the world. I get it. It's, it's where you are. But it's not the end of your world. There are five billion others prettier than her. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as it seems. You lost that job. It's terrible. But don't stay there. Go to the Word. Get your sanity. Get your bearings right. And get yourself to the place of praise. Because when you're in a place of praise, you're in a place of victory. And you will not allow negativity to come out of your mouth. Because realize this. Listen. When we talk about confession, we're not talking about parrot confession. It's what you say in a moment. You truly believe. It just comes out. You say it. That's what you truly believe. It's like you say, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. And in a moment, you just say, this is not going to work. That's it. That's what you truly believe. That's why he says, count it all joy when you go through trial, test, tribulation. Because it, it forces your faith into the open. And now you know. Now you can either go crawl in a hole and say, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Why would you do that? That's a revelation to say to you, go to gym and work on the muscle. You see my muscle is much smaller than it used to be because of the operation. I have to work, get my muscle back, right? Doesn't help I control and complain and say, I, I tore three ligaments off my shoulder and I'm never going to get my strength back. I'm not going to get my strength back. I'm going to get much more strength back. I'm going to get a bigger, a bigger muscle. Okay, I know it's a carnal example, but I'm going to get a bigger muscle. I'm not going to say, well, that's it. Now I can do nothing about it. There's something you can do about it. And the first thing is, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. I mean it with love. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Because you created an image of God. Stop this sad, sorry attitude that I can't. Because that's what you truly believe. Because you're not producing, so that's what you believe. Stop that nonsense. Nobody feels sorry for you. Out there in the world, nobody feels sorry for you. Get it? In church, very few people will ever feel sorry for you. That's the harsh reality of life. This is a journey you have to walk. And you have to get to know yourself in Christ. And then man up, woman up. Then look life in the eye. And when those bad days come, you run into a place of refuge, not into a cave where you develop your dark images through depressive disorder. You run to the presence of God for God to revive you. And you come back stronger. You come back more determined. You come back fired up in the name of Jesus Christ. And you go slay those prophets of Paul in the name of Jesus. And you do 
what God called you to do. No matter how many times you fall. I had a dog, I have to close. I now have pit bulls, but it was a bull terrier, beautiful, also bribed the breeder, white, big, beautiful uh, bull terrier. And he wandered off and every day came back bitten. I didn't know where he went. Then he would lie um, in his cage or where he slept, because our dogs sleep in the house. And um, a few, a week later or whatever, and I tried to control him, but he jumped the fence, six foot fence. He would go back. It was a Rottweiler. I didn't know it. I found it out later. And he would go back to that dog and pick a fight with that dog again because that dog bit him. Third time, he came back. That's a terrible example. With a lot of blood. He never left the house again. He went and he beat that, de- oh, that dog up. He, he beat him up. And that was the end of it. But he didn't come and lie and He didn't say nothing. He just lay there like, I'm recovering, I'm recovering. I'm recovering, I'm recovering. And that, that dog was much bigger than him. But it's never the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And he would leave the house and go look for that dog. Leave the house, go look for the dog. And he never left the house again. He came back once, no blood. And I looked, what? Oh, I mean, there was so much blood. I thought, where have you been bitten? Not a bite mark on him. I never know what happened to the other dog. I plead innocence. Amen. Amen. You'll go back out there tomorrow, man. Come on, I said you go back out there tomorrow again. You go back for that interview. You go back out there. And if you don't get it, you get out there the next day again. And if it doesn't work, you get out there again. But you never open your mouth and say, it's not going to work. I cannot. Or you never minimize yourself or neutralize yourself when you open your mouth in a careless moment. Because that's when you reveal the true treasure of your heart. And you are snared, captured by the words of your mouth. Every battle you win builds more confidence in you. I've slain the lion, I've slain the bear. You'll never have confidence as a man if you don't have a track record of many successes. Never. Never will you feel like a man. I can't talk for women. I don't have a lot of estrogen. I think you figured it out. But for men, if you don't have a track record of of some giants that you've slain, you're not going to be a man with a lot of confidence. I suggest you start killing some dwarves. I mean, you start... Huh? Hello? You beat that alcohol. You. Nobody else is going to beat that devil for you. You beat that addiction. You. You make up your mind. You beat that inferiority. Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man. You. You stop in, 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 in your inner thoughts. Oh, my husband doesn't feel good about himself. Why? Because he hasn't ABC. Now what now? Must we have a, 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 a cry party for you? I'm sorry, I'm not being hard now. We need to get our men's conferences going again so we can have real talk, right? Amen. 
If you can't move something, go train until you move it. Well, I gave it my best. Well, your best wasn't good enough. So you have to try again. You need to get failure out of your vocabulary. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe God's called you to do great things? All of you. Okay, what time are you getting up tomorrow? Oh, you're not going to bed. You're, 12, you're part of that 12 o'clock crowd. Huh? Come let me pray for you and deliver you. When the whole world is against you and God is for you, you're going to come out on top. You don't need an army with you. You need God with you. Please bow your head, every eye closed, every believer praying. You're standing in this place tonight, floor of the balcony there in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, in all our churches. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight if you died, you don't know where you would spend eternity. Maybe you served God at one time, but you've grown cold and you've wandered away from your father's house. Maybe because of a bad day, you've given up on God. I don't know. When people become disillusioned, they do weird things. They try a relationship. They try something just to feel alive. I'll tell you that you're going to find life in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, your life is too important to waste it away. Jesus died for you. And He has a great future for you. But you're standing in this place tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm lost. They're in Bloemfontein, the floor of the balcony, Johannesburg, Ports of Struham, Cape Town, Durban, wherever you are tonight, Kimberley. Tonight there's a stirring in your heart and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. But I've listened to you tonight. And I believe that when I put my life in the hands of Jesus, God's salvation and God's peace will come to me. So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, people praying tonight, you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. Or you say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Then I want to pray for you right now tonight. Every head bowed all over this place. In every one of our churches, that's you tonight. There's a stirring in your heart. Tonight you want to get right with God. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Or you want to come back to God. If that's the cry of your heart, wherever you are, quietly just raise your hand. I want to say a prayer for you. Please lift your hand all over this place. Raise it up high. All over this place. Raise it up. Up, 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 up. Many hands. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Many. God bless you. God bless you. You come. There's a stirring in your heart tonight. You say, yes, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. There's no other way for the joy of God to come to your life. Come back to Jesus. Last time before I pray, you've not yet raised up your hand. Slip your hand up quickly. Say, yes, include me in that prayer. Quickly, raise it up now. Jesus' name. Quickly, thank you. Thank you. Afrikaans, you have not yet raised up your hand. You have not yet raised up your hand. You have not yet raised up your hand. Thank you, Lord, for your hand. Thank you, Lord, for your hand. 
Tel Johan van Hoog op. Kom maar jong vriend. Tel hem op. Zeg ja. Sluit mijn eigen bed in. Vannacht in Jezus naam. Nou. There is no greater power than God's love. And uh, once you are touched by the true love of God, it breaks the hold of the world and the power of sin. That's why we have to usher our world into the presence of Jesus. Because there you will find not judgment, condemnation, but God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. The only power, the remedy for sin is the grace of God. So when, when people preach, you have to repent to come to Christ. <laughs> Theologically, so incorrect. You come to Christ, then you repent. Jesus touches you, saves you, then repentance is the result of salvation. Repentance is not the prelude to salvation because repentance then will be the work of man. Repentance. The fruit of repentance is the result of salvation. You cannot repent by yourself. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. Then, and only then, will there be works that accompany salvation, which is works of repentance. So people say, sometimes we post them, we say, 3,000 people can say, they say, well, was the gospel preached? Was repentance preached? No, the goodness of God was preached and the goodness of God led people to repentance. For by grace you are saved through faith. You are not saved through repenting. You are saved by grace which results in repentance. Bakker woord. claim Dus kom niemand gereed raak onder jou bediening nie, want jy preek bekering as een wet. Die wet kan niemand red nie. Werke kan niemand red nie. Jy kan nie besluit, ek maak my leven reg met God nie. Jy het nie die vermoe nie. You are justified by faith. You are saved by grace. Get your theology right, please, if you want to post things. Amen. So repentance is the fruit of salvation. Not repentance produces salvation. Hmm? You want a scripture? Acts chapter 3, after everybody was touched, they said, what will we do? Already the goodness of God touched them. Then they said, repent receive the Holy Ghost, be baptized. They were, they were touched by God's goodness. They were already touched by God. They were touched by God's grace. And that produced a repentant heart, which is, repentance means what? Change. Change of what? Ownership. Now Jesus is Lord. That's it. I'm no longer the Lord. Jesus is Lord, right? So put your hand on your heart and pray this with me tonight. Everybody in this place, pray with me tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you the ownership of my life and of my heart. Thank you for loving me just as I am. I believe with all my heart, you came into this world and you died on the cross for all my sin. I believe 
that God the Father raised you from the dead and you are now alive, seated at the right hand of God. I call on your name. Jesus Christ, save me. Forgive my sin. Wash me in your blood. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you tonight for a new life, a new beginning. In Jesus' name, I'm born again. I'm your child and I am free now and forever. Thank you for touching my heart and healing every area of brokenness. I believe you for a new season in my life. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.